Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today Entitled Town Packers podcast. My name is Griffin. You can follow me on Instagram at All Day Packers, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend Braun, who you can follow on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. And we are coming back to you after another Packers victory, number two on the year over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Braun, it was everything we hoped it would be, right? Yeah, it was. What a game. Uh, a lot of craziness and a weird final score of 14 to 12, but a lot to talk about as well, Griff. So excited to be here with you. 14 to 12. We, let's just say we did not nail our score predictions. Didn't really see 14 to 12 happening. No, we didn't, but it was uh, definitely a unique game in a lot of ways. But uh, the difference between most Packers games versus Tom Brady's, Buccaneers, or Patriots is that they won this one. Yeah, the second win of Aaron Rodgers over Tom Brady head to head. I believe they are now 2 and 3. So let's hope they meet in the playoffs once again, assuming this is Brady's final year. So we can tie up that record, right? So we don't have to live an eternity of Rodgers having a losing record against Tom Brady? It means nothing. It really means nothing because neither quarterback played particularly well in this game. Neither offense did. This game was Whoa. definitely about the defense. Hot take. Hot I take, Rogers yeah. played well. I thought Rodgers yeah. played well. Rodgers played well enough, but it's not like it, this wasn't like a career game for him, which is disappointing well, on, in some ways on. because I thought it was going to be. Well, just because on. the stats don't show that doesn't mean I felt like he's all the way back. I think he's all the way back. I feel like he's ready to rock now. This is he played very excellent football. The only thing he did was throw that pick. To me, he's all the way back. I think that the game that he had from a throws standpoint didn't miss a single throw in my opinion. I don't know what happened on that pick. Robert Tunyon got held, everybody thought. But um, other than that throw, I feel like he didn't really miss a single throw. It was a weird pick. We were talking on the phone that he really doesn't throw interceptions when he rips it like that without hesitation. Definitely a strange one. But early on in this game, we were talking on the phone as well. And I was saying that I thought this game was going to be... Rodgers was, what, 8 of 9 with like 178 yards or something like that and two touchdowns at halftime. I thought this was going to be a game like Week 13 against the Eagles in 2020 where he just doesn't miss the entire game and it goes down as one of the best games of his career. Or that Raiders game from 2019, Week 7... Um, I thought it was going to be that kind of game, but ever <laughs> as soon as Aaron Jones fumbles that football, what do you know? We lose the momentum, and uh, things go terribly downhill. Yeah, I mean, for me, when I look back at the way that game went, um, like you said, with Aaron Jones fumbling there, uh, I, it happens. Fumbles happen. You can't expect Jones to go an entire season without fumbling, but we talked about that was a big thing, the, the turnovers and trying to make sure that those don't happen. And Jones was guilty of it in the NFC Championship game against the Bucks in 2020. And like we talked about, he fumbled in that game, and it cost us big time. And we were lucky that that didn't cost us again here. But, you know, he got hit really hard by Vita Vea from behind, uh, and he's trying to get in the, in the end zone. But like I said, luckily it didn't end up biting us. And um, But to me, Aaron, we'll get right into it, Griff. I, I thought he was precise, convicted with his throws. Um, and to me, he just looked like the quarterback that we've seen for so many years. Uh, the off-the-play action, his footwork was remarkable in this game to me. A lot of the stuff he was doing on the RPOs, the footwork was just solid all around. And he was making a lot of impressive throws. And even towards you know the latter half of the game, he was making some nice deeper throws, including to guys like Allen. And the stuff that he was doing off the RPOs to guys like Romeo and Randall, I was just really, really impressed. Everything was clicking to me. 
until the second half came around and then things just started to tighten up because the Buccaneers are really good on defense. We, we can't forget how good that secondary is. That's that's a part of their team that's really not hurt. That's still the Buccaneers defense, which has been one of the best, if not the best, in the NFL over the last three years. So I'm thrilled with that game. The outcome was the only thing that matters because that, that's a really tough team. We're really banged up on offense. People don't want to talk about that. People just want to talk about that the Buccaneers were very banged up. But we were banged up too. We have a returning David Bakhtiari who's then getting subbed in and out with Yash Nijman. So I was just pleased for the most part on offense. Yeah, overall efficiency-wise, this wasn't... I don't think it was a really impressive game from Rodgers, especially when you consider anything after the first three drives, after the Jones fumble. Um, but those, there were, even in the second half, there were some really just great prime Rodgers throws. Like, I'm thinking about that slot fade to Lazard in the fourth quarter. You remember that one over Antoine Winfield? That was just a beautiful drop in the bucket. It, like, that's, it looked like he was hitting Devontae on that play. Like, it's, it looked that easy for him. That's what it's like throwing to a guy that he trusts. He had a couple of other really nice ones. A really nice one to Romeo on the opening drive on the sideline on a quick little out. Like, I, I want to see it from the back end zone camera to see how tight that window is. But from the broadcast angle, it definitely looked like that window was closing fast <clears throat> and he was able to rip it in there. He is, uh, this was such an RPO heavy game. He was getting the ball out of his hands so quickly. And it's hard to find a quarterback who rips the ball on an RPO, you know, fakes it to the running back, takes it and just rips it better than Rodgers does. You remember that the 40 yarder to Cobb? in the first half like that throw that window is closing so fast and it's already small and he doesn't even set his feet on it he just rips it and his release is so fast this game like he made you're right he did make some throws that remind you of the back-to-back mvp but overall this offense was (laughs) just really terrible and you have to give credit to the bucks defense and the weird thing is that my first instinct is to blame it on the aaron jones fumble because it feels like whenever something like that happens to this offense we talked about this on the preview podcast. It feels like whenever something like that happens to the offense, they just kind of shut down and they're not able to recover from it. But then I'm also thinking, like, how does that make any sense, though? Because we talked a lot about momentum last week, how momentum is real. But right after that fumble, the Bucks then f- have a fumble of their own forced by Quay Walker, great play by the rookie. But they fumble like you would think that the momentum just comes right back to us and we're able to keep it rolling. But we're not. So maybe, like, I'm coming around to the thought of maybe this just, like, we finish overall, what, 6 of 11 on third down. Maybe we were just always going to finish 6 of 11, and, like, it's just variance that we went 5 for 5 on the first 5 third downs. Well, it is just one game, Griff, and we had guys out, and it's hard to take much from it, but I will say I I like the way the offense played in a lot of areas. In the first half, it was really encouraging to see them move the ball like that on a great defense, but... It's hard to it's hard to do it against that defense to me. Like I think that's a great group. And it's hard because that's a a great team and they want to win too. It's very hard to to keep that kind of thing rolling. The momentum part of what you're talking about, I think with Aaron Jones fumble, yes, I mean that ducks you a little bit. You're not like rolling like they were, you know, then then they'd be up 21 and on uh, 21-3. But it didn't happen. That's okay, but like it's a little demoralizing like to get all the way down there again and fumble. Then the Buccaneers, like, but the problem was, I think, going into the second half now, we weren't blowing them out. It was kind of a different mentality. So the things changed a little bit. The Bucks felt like they could hang around and still had a shot. That was the difference. And then they really tried to play their hearts out on defense and, and do everything they could to keep the offense in it. And the Brady offense couldn't capitalize because of what our defense was doing. The fumbles were costly for them, too. 
Um, but the, like again, those things are a little more. They have more variability. Fumbles do. They they aren't a result of momentum, but they do cause changes in momentum. Uh, but they're definitely not like a result, I would say, of momentum. So again, a lot. That's a lot of like different topics within the concept of the game entirely, which to me is two really really good teams playing each other, depleted, with the defenses both pretty much healthy for the most part, and the better defense probably came out on top, and I think the better offense probably came out on top as well for that game. Yeah, a lot of people are giving Tom Brady and the Buccaneers offense excuses, you know, maybe rightfully so, because they were out so many players, but uh, you mentioned it, like a lot of people are forgetting, it seems like, that the Packers were also out their fair share of receivers, and to begin with, to start this season, we didn't have that much to play with. This has always been the offense that we've had, and I said it on the preview that maybe it's going to be easier for Green Bay to adjust to all the injuries, because... It, losing Sammy Watkins is not nearly the same for us as losing Mike Evans is for Tampa Bay, right? I think the biggest difference in this game is that against where you have two depleted offenses going up against great, really talented defenses, the Buccaneers' defense is maybe, maybe the best in the league. Like, they are just so well-coached. Todd Bowles is such a great defensive mind. They do everything really well at all levels of the field. But I think the biggest difference is the offensive coaching staff because the the Buccaneers, Tom Brady has no one to throw to that he really wants to look to on his first read, right? But they didn't change anything. They stuck with 11 personnel. It's a very static offense. They don't do any of the motion stuff. They ran like eight play action plays. Like that's the biggest difference when we're able to just play man coverage, which we did quite a bit of in this game, surprisingly. When we're able to just play man coverage and match up against your receivers, you just have nowhere to go with the ball. Our successful drive and our successful plays on offense came as a re- as a result of Matt Lafleur scheming this thing up because he knows we can't go we can't go one on one with these guys because the Bucks defense is so good. So I think that's really the, that was the key to the game. Those first three offensive possessions, the first two touchdowns, were really key to the game. They proved to be. You know, we would have wanted to score more points after that, but they did prove to be enough points to win the game. And I think that a lot of that credit has to go to Matt Lafleur. Yeah, and another thing we haven't really touched on is the fact that we really could not get the running game going. But it seemed like they stuck to it enough. Um, There were times where I kind of wanted them to go to it a little earlier than they did in in a drive. Um, But because things were – it was just hard to really get anything moving, in the passing game especially. Um, Rodgers was hitting guys for short gains, and it's just, like, difficult to find open guys. And the pressure was there because they have a great pass rush. A great defensive front. It's just difficult to commit to kind of navigate through that, especially when we don't have a ton of super talented uh, guys that are going to beat that secondary. It's just hard. Like that was the matchups are hard. They they do not lean in our favor from our offense to their defense. It's just the way yeah, it was no. based on the personnel we had. So for that reason, you look at it and you have to accept the result of the win. And the score only dictates so much because it's it's dependent on who you're playing. It's not like, oh, we only scored 14 points while, you know, every other team is scoring at will in, in this league. It's like, well, we just played maybe the best defense in the league um, and we put up enough points to win and that's all that matters. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not at all worried about the offense. I, I don't feel like they performed inadequately. I feel like it was perfectly fine and we won the game. And that, to me, is the most important thing. And I'm excited to see where this offense goes from here because there was a lot to build on in that game. 
and I think there was some steps forward as well. I, I wouldn't say I'm not at all concerned, but I am expecting and hoping that this offense is going to be able to make several steps forward because just that, that offense in the second half, if you... If I know this isn't exactly fair, but if you forget the fact that they did score two touchdowns on their first two possessions and that they walked right down the field, that second offense was really, really bad. The number three and outs was really quite frustrating. That's what Matt LaFleur said, and it was really annoying, and this offense is going to have to get better. These players are going to have to grow up quickly, especially at the receiving core. And it's not an easy test going to Tampa Bay in the heat, in the humidity. I'm from Florida. I know how hot it is. Ron, you've been to Florida too, but it's it, you saw Lazard puking on the sideline after he scored a touchdown. Like it is insanely hot. This defense is insanely good. It's a huge game. Then why it are makes you so sense concerned? That, like then I don't. Why? What? What concerns you exactly? Because we're down. Because a bunch I think of they guys. played really poorly. I think that they played. I don't really think poorly. they played as poorly as you think. I really don't. I think the defense that we were facing, from a talent standpoint, is it's hard. to it's hard to beat those guys. It's, it really is. It is. Yes, we learned it's that the hard like way. They were they weren't scoring on us either. It was that type of game. It's sometimes it's a low scoring game. It's the environment. It was tough. Tampa Bay hadn't played in that heat in a while because they played their first two games in domes, and we obviously haven't played in that kind of heat in a while. You know, going back to early training camp, maybe. I feel like the things that we didn't do so well in this game, we showed in Chicago that we could do well. And we're not. I don't think we have to worry. I feel like on offense, like what what is your major concern? Is it the receivers? Is it the offensive line? Because those things are starting to come together. And we were missing guys last week at the receiver position. Uh, Rogers looked really good. The protection was quite good for what I expected in terms of pass protection. I thought it was quite good, especially against that front um, and the the rotating left tackle situation. Um, yeah. Everything else, the running game was my only concern, but we just showed what we can do against a good front in Chicago, like the week prior. So to me, I'm not concerned about the offense whatsoever. At least, you know, I'd have to see that if we struggle like this against a team, like maybe New England, I guess, if we struggle to put points on the board when they're going to be throwing their backup quarterback, Brian Hoyer, most likely out there, like then you start to have those conversations of like we need to start getting better on offense. But right now, I feel okay with where we're at uh, based on the performances we've put on the board so far. Let me clarify my concern here. I, I'm not concerned that they didn't score more points even. I did not expect them to come into this game and score 30 points. I am concerned, not that I'm even expecting them to not improve. I'm concerned that if they were to play like this in the playoffs against a team like Tampa Bay, who, let's be honest, we've lost to a lot of teams like Tampa Bay in the playoffs in the last 10 years. That's my concern. It's The concern is that these receivers are... That, you know, there is a world where this is like, it doesn't get better than this. And I hate being like this, but I do have to clarify because you were asking, Bron. That is that is what the concern is. Coming out of this game, I don't even feel bad. I feel great. We beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That feels good. But if there is a concern, is that it's these receivers are so young. And we saw them at their worst on Sunday. Not at their worst, but like, we saw what can happen when we play a really good defense and we're not able to run the ball. And they play us with man coverage with really good cornerbacks and safeties so okay Christian Watson wasn't in the game obviously Sammy Watkins was out as well those are two guys I think we're going to rely on pretty heavily I think Watson needs to he's close he's he's got to play more obviously but I think he's very close to being a contributor Sammy we saw what he could do in that I feel like Watson is really big too I feel like Watson is that takes a big chunk out of their playbook I feel like because they've been using him as the Tyler Irvin Tavon Austin role 
Yes, you saw, and also he's running routes too, which is great. I'd like to see him run. Yeah, more, right. And he's the deep threat. Exactly. Outside so of him, Romeo is fast, but there's really no deep threat. They haven't shown. They haven't even tried that with Romeo yet. They have. I think they could, but they haven't tried it uh, to to send him deep. They haven't done it often, at least. If you know, I haven't seen it much at all, but. Christian is the guy that they're kind of letting do everything right now, and when he's on the field, he's a difference maker because, like you said, he is their best motion guy, and they really didn't do it much against against the Buccaneers because he wasn't there. So that kind of changed things for the offense. Sammy, we saw what he could do in, in Week 2. He provided a, a big spark with his veteran presence, reliability, experience, and he's just a great receiver to me in terms of what he can do for Aaron Rodgers being a reliable target. Um, Randall Cobb had a great game. Uh, these guys, I, I'm not worried about the receiving core right now just because they. how can they not get better when they had that kind of game to start? You, It's week three, so I'm not really worried about a lack of improvement, especially when, it, like you said, it's these young guys. And Romeo Dobbs had a fantastic game for what he was asked to do, uh, which is be a starter. And he did that. Yeah. He had, what did he have, eight catches, Griff? Like eight catches on eight targets. That what, what more can you ask for? Like that that's that's very impressive. And I I, I was excited to see that he was able to step up, score a touchdown. The, like what more can you look for in week three from a guy who has been in the league for two games and, and this one that he was just in? I feel like a lot of people are forgetting because we've hyped him up so much all summer. Me and you, Bron, we did see him in person. People forget that we've hyped him up all, so much all summer, right? That people are forgetting this is a fourth round rookie and his third career game, and he just caught eight passes. The first Packers rookie to do that since like 1988, I think something like that, something crazy. He's the first Packers receiver to catch eight passes, not named Devon. Monte Adams since week one 2018 it's kind of crazy what he's been able to do if he was a first rounder it wouldn't be that surprising it would still be impressive but the fact that he's a fourth rounder and he's been able to step right in and contribute like he did in this game that's really impressive well Griff too he also is the has he has the highest passer rating when targeted among all rookies so far at the at the receiver position with 123.2 I believe so he's he's definitely contributing, and that and it's only week three. He's got a lot of time and, and growth ahead of him, which is exciting. And I think Christian is going to be involved in that same way, um, and and hopefully have more opportunities. It looks like he'll probably be back this week too, which is good. Um, Sammy's going to be sidelined for four games, well three more now. But looking forward, when you're, you're talking about looking ahead to the playoffs and this receiving core, I think this is a group that's going to improve in November, December, when it's time for the playoffs. These guys are going to be ready. I really think they are, and I'm not concerned. I, I really, I'm, I'm not doubting the fact that they're going to improve because I've already been impressed with what they've done at this early stage of the season. That's the hope. They're definitely going to need them to. Um, Greg Olson talked about on the broadcast how Matt LaFleur talked about in their production meeting, I guess, how like he wanted to compare Romeo Dobbs to Devontae Adams, but had to like stop himself from doing so. And it's honestly, it's not that crazy, I feel. I mean, it's crazy to compare him to the all-pro best receiver in football, Devontae Adams. But when you watch his releases, when you watch the way he catches the ball, when you watch the way he runs routes, like, do you not see a little bit of 2017 Devontae Adams before he had the swag, before he was an all-pro? Because I think it's there. He gets stuck at the line of scrimmage a little bit too often to uh, be on that level, obviously. But when he runs a nice route, it is crispy, and it looks a lot like young Devontae. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of pressure to put on a guy, but I, I don't think it's far off for sure. He's got 
so many exciting skills and talents that you see on display when he's out there running routes against legit guys. That's a tough challenge for anybody, and, and he had success when he went up against those guys. And it, to me, it was an impressive showing. So, uh, again, I'm not concerned about the present of this receiving core. I'm not concerned about the development over the course of this season with this group either. And uh, I'm just excited because we saw what Romeo can do. Now we're going to hopefully get to see what Christian can do uh, with a few more opportunities than he's had with Sammy Watkins being down for a little bit. And then once these guys all get healthy, including Randall Cobb, who's been fantastic so far, I can't say enough about the start he's had. Um, but to me, this group is, is right now in a good position. And we haven't even mentioned Alan Lazard, who has made big play after big play uh, since he returned to the lineup in week two. Yeah, Cobby's a guy who looked good in training camp, too, which we talked about when we were up in Green Bay. And uh, he was good last year, too, before he got injured. That's that's his biggest thing is uh, if he can stay healthy. And we know now that when he is healthy, he's still just as – maybe not just as dynamic, but he is almost up there because he is he, – he made Devin White break his ankles on the opening drive yesterday. He has been clutch. He's always open on third down for whatever reason. Rodgers trusts he's him, good, obviously, Griff. so much more than anyone. It's because he's good. That's why he's open. He is. He's yeah, not this he old guy. You painted him out to be this old guy. He's very good. He's a very good football player. <laughs> he's a he premier is, slot yeah, receiver he's in this league. Thirty-two is not that old, Griffin, and he looks spry and he is very fast, physical, and like you said, he made that incredible move. I've never seen that in my life. He he faked like he was going to cut to the sideline. And just fooled Devin White, and I forget who else. He fooled two premier Bucks defenders. I think it was Carlton Davis. And he just went upfield for about 15 yards at least, and it was just incredibly impressive. That was just one of those plays and where— And that was on a third down, of course. Yes, the savvy veteran on, on third down, and he makes this incredible <laughs> move. Rodgers, Rodgers throws it to—it's he's it's basically in the flat, right? Like he just He's late this. to the check down, really. It, like, it is late. It is very late. And Cobb maybe has less than five yards between him and Carlton, and Devin White's crashing to obviously make the tackle, and he fakes to the sideline and then just turns up field so quick. And it's like, how do you even think to make that move? He knows somehow— I don't know how he sensed that Devin White was crashing. I don't know. It just what a move! Like that was. I thought he was about to get be, smacked. Yes, that's something that would be all over highlight clips, all over social media, everywhere. If that was a guy like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, I thought that was a really impressive play and an awesome move from a guy that you can't say enough about and how how important he is to this team being here. Uh, especially what he's doing after the return and everything, and, and now him being the most reliable guy for, for Aaron. is Everything he does is so important. And his 40-yard gain before halftime, too, that was really impressive. Another great run after the catch play. He just wouldn't go down. And I think it's funny, they showed... They sh- did you did you catch this? They showed Rodgers after the play looking at him, and he was looking at him like he looked at Devontae against San Fran a couple years ago when he converted that fourth down, where I, this is not a visual medium, but he's looking at him like his eyes are all wide. I didn't see that, but um, w- the way that he was outrunning the, the defender, it was just like, man, this is... And there's nothing better than when, when Kabi catches a ball and he just flips the ball and just lets all that oh like, yes adrenaline he's electric out. dude he and is, he's got his shoulder pad better. hanging out and he's yeah, oh. every single time the shoulder pad <laughs> is hanging out he just made this massive play and he just lets out a roar he is just absolutely electric after after making a big play and he gets everybody going including me at home 
<laughs> including you you're ready to run through a wall for this guy yeah. yeah aren't we all dude everyone loves Kavi. i mean imagine imagine if rogers didn't trade for him wow i mean gm of the year should have been won at that, at that <laughs> executive of the year aaron Rodgers. yeah, yeah. He, for randall been, cobb he's just been a great addition to everything about this franchise and he's almost somehow because he's so talented and so good on the field and I'm not overstating it because he doesn't blow the stats away, but he just does so many things on the field that are – you can't – I mean, we'd lose games without – he makes the important plays, even though they're not a ton of, of catches or a ton of yards, a ton of touchdowns. He makes these important plays that nobody else can make, and we would lose games without him. So it, it's so important, and he's done so much for this franchise, this city, this team, and he's the, the glue of it all. He should be a team captain, but – um, I feel like he's just such a great part of this of this team, and I think he's going to be a key piece moving forward if we want to win a Super Bowl. Definitely, man. You remember Arizona last year when all our guys had COVID and they were hurt and we had nobody except Kabi, and he puts the team on his back, two touchdowns. He's that type of player. When you need him most, he's going to be there. Only played 19 snaps on Sunday. I feel like the Heat had a lot to do with that. I feel like a lot of guys were on a pitch count. We saw a lot of drives open with, like, on defense, we saw a lot of drives open with Kenny Clark on the bench, like Jonathan Garvin starting drives. Like, we saw that a lot. I feel like the coaching staff was really factoring in the Heat. Obviously, David and Yash was a big thing, which um, LaFleur mentioned that that goes back to his time in Houston as a quality control coach where they used to do that with a, a or a tackle who was injured. David apparently was not a fan of that, but I don't know. I feel like that's a that's a good idea. You don't want to go 0 to 60 right away with a guy like this who's had basically had 2 years on the bench from one injury. Well, not one injury. I know he said well, numerous think, surgeries, but Right, right. I think it makes a lot of sense after especially after what we saw in Detroit where he went that game and then obviously was he ended up getting taken out when Aaron went out, but um, to me it just How makes more sense. How weird is that? This has been one of the weirdest injuries that I've ever seen in sports. I guess he was he's literally had some back kind of last setback. Year. Exactly. He Against was back Detroit, he came back. It's crazy. I guess there's no guarantee now either that he's fully back. Well, this was good that he didn't push it completely to the, you know, the fullest extent because you don't want to ha- you don't want to see that he had a setback like you want to limit the opportunities for setbacks because if this is all part of the healing process as well, him getting back and and playing well and which I thought he played quite well. For a return game, I, I was impressed some of the some of the moving he was doing that was evident even on the live you know the live copy of the game. Uh, I was impressed with with how well he played stepping in. Another thing that was weird to me was they waxed poetic about Elton Jenkins' return to the field, but they said nothing about the journey that David's been on for him to come back on the field. They really did not talk much. And Matt nor Aaron, they did not talk much about the fact that David was back and played really well. Uh, which I was a little surprised about. I don't know what that was that surprising. Is. I was just I like I figured there would be this big like emotional thing going on because of how like I was you know not not emotional but I definitely was like very thankful and, and excited to have David back and I was just surprised that there wasn't more of a of a welcoming uh, environment for him especially after the game, after after a big win where he had a big part in it. I was a little surprised. Yeah, all we got was those pictures on Packers.com of Aaron and David, like, hugging, smiling. They they embraced after the first touchdown, if you saw. They, like, touched helmets, did their thing. But um, we did see a lot of speculation earlier this week about, I don't know, these people on Twitter saying that Rodgers and the floor are showing, throwing shade maybe at 
at David by praising Elton. I thought that was ridiculous. I still find yeah. that really no, really that's ridiculous, definitely not but definitely not what I'm getting at. But I just I was hoping that they would have that same kind of. Uh, I just I, I it would have been maybe nice it's because they already that. did that. Well, that it was weird because that was like year. they brought they brought. I mean, maybe I don't. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're not a hundred percent sure that like he's gonna be able to keep playing. Like maybe they just don't want to like. Maybe they don't want to be presumptuous that he's a hundred percent back now. I guess, but and then that's I guess that's fair, right? But um, I definitely want more appreciation for David and, and what he's been through because um, it's it's been a journey and it's not a no, nothing that he wanted to go through. But I'm sure he's happy that it's all kind of come to this point where he has a chance to be a full time starter again. And and this w- was a great place to begin on that front. Yeah, the offensive line as a whole, I thought they played. It's a really tough. We've talked so much about this Bucks defense, but they have a really, really great front. Even without Akeem Hicks, which we talked about him being out, it it's it almost didn't even matter because they have the just like most aggressive, most athletic defensive front I think in football. And it's a really tough front to run against. It's a tough front to move around. But I thought the Packers. I, it's it, looking at the numbers. It's hard to say they did a really good job, but I thought they held their own. Rodgers only took one sack, he, it, in part because he was getting the ball out of his hands, especially in the first half. And that last sack came on the last drive, which I feel the need to mention. I've seen some people complaining about him taking that sack, as if it knocked us out of field goal range. But folks, that would have been a 57-yard field goal if he yeah. hadn't taken the sack. So also, I'm not looking for him to throw an incompletion there and then and then exactly, stop the yeah. clock. Yeah, if you're, and that's if you're what he said. The clock, yeah. Exactly. If you're stopping the clock there, then you're just giving the Buccaneers more time to work with. And the time was a, a pressure thing for them, for sure. When it got down to 30 seconds and then 20 seconds when they finally scored, that was a key factor. The fact that they had now no timeouts. It was important that we did the what we did. I definitely don't want him to dirt the ball there when he's getting sacked. And then just for what? To try a 57-yard field goal? And then you know, we like, miss I, and Brady has it at midfield? Yeah. Exactly. You got to I was not worried about that at all, and I was hoping that they weren't gonna, you know, look to go for some of those on those late drives. Um, I think at one point it was like fourth and five or fourth and four. I think it was fourth and four, and they fourth lined and four up to from go like for the forty-nine. It. I think yeah, yeah, and they lined up to go for it, and I was thinking the outcome of this being, you know, if it was successful, it'd be great, but the risk of giving Tampa Bay the ball with momentum from the defense, making a stop past midfield, like. That was too dicey for me, so I, I had no desire to go for it there. I, I'd liked giving our defense more opportunities to make plays and having to make Tampa Bay go the distance, which they couldn't do all game. And we saw it again that they, you know, then the final drive where they did have to go all, the whole distance. If for some reason Rodgers throws it in the dirt or whatever, we miss the field goal, then you're talking about they're going to have a chance to get a touchdown. Get and then there's way more time on the clock. It just I was I was happy with how things went. We played it well and smart, and I think that was a big reason why we won as well. Because those you know the little things like the time management, um, the field position battle, the special teams, all those things we kind of we seemed to win in those areas pretty clearly and decisively. And even though it was kind of a stalemate between the offense and defense in the second half on both sides, I think the things the small things we were able to control and handle, and, and that probably helped us get the edge over that great Tampa Bay Bucks team. It was a weird game because it did feel like we kind of dominated. Maybe that's just because we had the lead the entire game and the Bucks couldn't move the ball, but it did feel like we were dominating that game, and it, it felt a lot like the 49ers game, funnily enough, in the playoffs that we lost. It's just the only difference here is that the, the special teams didn't give up a blocked punt for a touchdown, and 
and have 10 guys on the field for a game-winning field goal. <laughs> yeah, the special teams was quite good in this one. That's why I think we're a Super Bowl caliber team because some of those things that we had concerns about last year are gone. Um, and we're missing Devontae, we're missing Zedarius Smith, but I feel like we're making up for it in, in different ways. And this team is more built to win a Super Bowl because it's a more complete group, a more complementary group, uh, a little more seasoned every year. Um, so I, I think that this this team, and I had said, you remember Griff, I said that this game was going to be a foundational win for the Packers defense um, in that week two Chicago game. And then I said that this this game against the Bucks, if if the defense could go in there and win that game for us by shutting down Tom Brady's offense, it was going to be a major, major boon to what we were trying to do moving forward as a football team. Nobody expected our offense to go in there and score more than 20 points. I mean, it's just, we had, we had I'm serious, we really, you know, it would have been nice, and you would hope for that. Uh, and we both, I think we both predicted it, right? Yeah, but, we definitely did. <laughs> but that does, but it's it's just so, it's tough. I mean, that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we had less receiving than I thought we would. At that time, I thought Christian Watson was going to play. Um, which made our off- that makes our offense a little bit more multiple and a little bit more explosive, um, with the variability to pass downfield more. But um, even in, even with with him, I, I still you know it's tough to put that kind of points that nobody's done that really against Tampa Bay yet so far, um, and and we we did enough. That's that's all you can ask for, and we we didn't have to score all that much. The key to this game wasn't scoring; it was to getting it was getting stops. It was it was those special teams field position battles. Pat O'Donnell is looking like the best punter we've had in maybe since Tim Maste, and I'm not joking. Like that, he he looks very yeah. very good. And Amari Rodgers, he does Rogers, look good. He's the first like punter that we've brought in who's actually able to like. Uh, it, it is week three. Corey Bohorka has impressed us in week three, so maybe we have to wait a little bit. But the yeah, difference he does is, look really good. Yeah, the difference I think there is O'Donnell has the Chicago experience of playing in the cold weather. So I think this is what an incredible signing, and, and they factored an off the field aspect into that signing, and because he's not a particularly when, when you looked at the landscape of guys, I think Corey Bohorquez was a guy they maybe I thought should have been brought back at the time, and he probably had a better year than Pat O'Donnell did last year. But when it got into those cold weather games, Bohorquez really really struggled, just like J.K. Scott did, and just like everybody else we've brought in. But <laughs> O'Donnell is. He's experienced in that regard, and he kind of is a consistent kicker in that way, where he can still put the ball in great spots in those cold weather games, and and we're going to need him then. And his and his production is probably going to go down a little bit, but he's been super super impressive, and he's having an outstanding start to his season. But Amari Rogers looked very good on kick returns and punt returns, and he uh, the protection, the the gunners or the flyers is apparently Matt Lafleur is now calling them, but. Uh, everything has been sound. The special teams, to me, has been impressive. So uh, that's the reason we won, and I think that's going to be a big reason moving forward as to why we're going to keep winning under Rich Passaccia and, and Matt LaFleur in terms of the head coaching responsibilities as well. I don't know how to pinpoint exactly how I feel about the special teams, but it, it feels like that the Packers have done such a good job this offseason of like addressing it but not overreacting to it. Like, a, a lot of teams, they lose a game in the playoffs like we did where your special teams just poops its pants on live TV. And then you and go tell like a every lot of kicker you try out to kick that, a field goal from the same exact spot that it double-doinked after the block. <laughs> Chicago. This is, why, 
This is why we're such good friends, Bron. That's exactly, that's literally exactly <laughs> what I'm thinking of. Matt Nagy making his kickers try kick from that exact spot. Like, that is so stupid, and it just feels silly. That the screams Packers, Netflix football movie, like. <laughs> it does. <laughs> The Packers, they don't do that, dude. They don't do that. Oh, that's hard knocks footage right there. That's hard knocks. That is, like, complete (laughs) hard knocks footage. They bring in the coordinator, Rich Passaccia. They address the punter. They bring in guys like Ford and Nixon, who have played really well, that Passaccia has a history with. And they they address it culturally, too, by calling it the Wii Fence, they're calling it now. They play starters on special teams. It's their thing that they do. The Wii Fence. But it's like they haven't made it their entire game plan of the offseason is I guess what I'm saying it just feels like they've done it in such a responsible way where it's made a huge difference because they're playing so much better and they're not as problematic as they were last year where they were literally losing us games and but I don't know it's it feels like uh it just feels like it's a really mature thing of this franchise to do yeah they never really overreact I mean that's that's a that's their mo is is kind of stick yeah. to the stick to the game plan and, and even and when it, you trade the best receiver in football yeah. Don't overreact. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. Although we do sometimes, but they certainly don't. <laughs> we definitely do. We definitely overreact, uh, which is why you probably all listen to us, I guess. But the maturity of, of Brian and Matt to not make some kind of you know draft pick trades for special teamers or draft special teamers in the third, second, and first round. like They're not doing anything crazy to improve the unit. They know it's, it's the little things, and I think they've done a great job of accomplishing everything they wanted to. Uh, to, to make this unit, it looks like right now the unit has turned from really, 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 really bad into quite good even so far, and it's only three weeks in, but they just look like it's a it's a different mentality. It's, it's important to them to, to get the job done. They know how costly it was last year, and I think they're ready to make sure that that is not the reason why they lose a playoff game again. Let's get into the defense here, Bron. Um, there's a lot to talk about, a lot of exciting things to talk about. This was kind of the defense that we've been, we, if you go back and listen to our podcast from the month of August, this is what we were hoping it would look like, right? And if I, I said after the game against Minnesota, when a lot of people were really down on this defense, that I think this defense is going to fare a lot better, first of all, later down the line, because there were just a lot of busted coverages in that game that I didn't see persisting. But also, I mentioned that I think they would fare a lot better against a team like Tampa Bay who just, there's no window dressing, there's no play action, it's a very static, Bruce Arians, Byron Byron Leftwich is their offensive coordinator, but it's a very Bruce Arians style of offense, which in the modern NFL is really hard to succeed with, even if you have Tom Brady at quarterback. And we saw that on Sunday, because our guys were able to just match up one-on-one, even when Jair goes down, which he did early in the game. I think it was on the opening drive he went down, never came back with a groin injury. But even without him, Keyshawn Nixon steps in, and because the Bucks are so bad, banged up at the receiver position, they weren't able to get anything going. Yeah, they weren't, Griff, and I think a lot of that has to do with some of the interior pressure from Kenny Clark. Rashawn Gary had a pretty solid game. I thought Kenny Carson Clark Smith. is fantastic. Kenny Clark was the in terms of the defense, I think he was probably the the most important guy in terms of getting to Tom Brady. He just did a lot of things really well. Um, of course he always forces pressure up front, but I, I think he gave both the center and the guards, a lot of trouble. And he was very violent. And, and you, you talked <laughs> violent, about this, Griff. Yeah. Yeah, you talked about this too, Griff. When he gets off the ball much quicker than other guys, um, he's, he's one of the first guys to recognize that the snap, and he is over the ball, to be fair, but he's, he's 
in the center's face before he's even looked up. And uh, usually it's night-night at that point. He's getting to Tom <laughs> Brady, really pressuring him, and, and I think that was something that gives Tom Brady the, the hardest time is, is when the, the interior guy like Kenny Clark or an Aaron Donald, if you will, type where it's in the interior middle area gets through and forces Tom to kind of make some athletic play that we all know he can't make. And uh, <laughs> then Tom falls flat on his face before Kenny can even put two hands on him. <laughs> Tom had a, a couple just seriously funny sacks, dude. Like, he is so <laughs> done trying to even get out of him. He just falls down. He looks oh, like frustrated. He's 40- he was frustrated. Oh, he, he was frustrated in a way like it didn't even look like he cared. <laughs> like, yeah, that I've was never like seen him care that little. People talk about like, oh, Aaron doesn't like. I've never seen Aaron do stuff like that. Like he just does not. Like he's like, man, I got a, I got an appointment with my plastic surgeon on Monday. I don't care about this game. Like, <laughs> I got a wife to worry about. He's gonna leave yeah. me. I got a wife that I may not have in a week. Like, I, you know. I've never seen Aaron just fall down on the ground when someone's about to sack him. <laughs> it's just so funny. <laughs> oh, my God. He looks like a 45-year-old man out there. But they, the Buccaneers oh, wait, did have is. Brandon Walton. Nah. Brandon Walton was starting at left tackle, his first career start. They had Luke Gadecki at left guard. He's, he's a rookie. And he got Luke tossed around a, like a Caesar salad he out there, got, Griff. He was getting abused by Kenny Clark. Dean Lowry even had a couple nice, really nice bull rushes against him. Jerron Reed had a couple really nice reps. TJ Slayton, I can remember one, against Luke Hideki. Luke Hideki did not have a great game. He had a pass-blocking grade of 32.3, I believe. Uh, he really struggled. The left That's out of 100, by either. the way, folks. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, not out of, not out of 50. Um, and the left tackle, Brandon Walton, he got abused by Rashawn Gary for a lot of the game, too. So... Uh, it was not an easy one for Tom Brady, and I I feel like he gave up in the first quarter. I really do. Do you remember the third and twelve play where it's a screen and Brady just chucks it at the ground? Like, yeah, and Devontae you know, caught it off the ground. Yeah. Obviously, quarterbacks do that when a screen is covered up, but he didn't even give it a chance to develop. He just spiked it immediately and didn't show any reaction. Just walked straight to the sideline. Never seen anything <laughs> like it on third and twelve. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, he probably didn't even like that play call to begin with, I bet. You know, like, oh, we're, gonna, yeah. we're, we're calling a screen. We're clearly giving up here, so I, I you know what, I'm going to give up too. Just threw it to Devondre. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, what did you think of the of the coverage in this game, Griff? Because we talked about the pressure, which I thought was quite good, um, at least enough to disrupt some of the some of the things Brady was doing. Um, but when he was getting the ball out quick, not much you can do. Um, but when we did get to him, we got to him. Yeah, the, I already mentioned Jair going out in the first quarter, and Keyshawn Nixon really impressed me. So Rasul's been playing in the slot all season long. Jair goes out, we move Rasul naturally to the sideline, to the boundary, and we put Keyshawn Nixon in the slot, which all offseason we've been saying it's Shamara at number four, but I guess it's Keyshawn who they real f- feel really comfortable with. And man, dude, I couldn't help but be reminded of Rasul Douglas from last year. The way he comes in, he's immediately serviceable at worst. He gave up a couple catches, but, you know, you expect that out of your bench that's, cornerback. Yeah, that's fine to me. I mean, look, and, and the he's fact that making Rasool, plays. Yes, and Rasul is on the boundary now, and he looks just like he did last year when he was balling out on the outside. Like, yeah. Both those guys pretty seamlessly transitioned into, the, into those roles in a pinch. So, I mean, when your number one corner goes down, like, woof, that's not good. But they made it work, and I get that those guys that they were facing weren't ultra-talented, but, I mean, Keyshawn Nixon is not some guy that everybody knew about as this, like, guy who can step right up and, 
and and play really well. I mean, he came definitely in, not. Yeah, he he had some coverage deflections. He had some just great coverage snaps. I thought he was the quite impressive. fumble right the away. The fumble, I mean, the electric stuff. That's what like, reminded me of Rasul, dude. That's what yes. reminded me of Rasul. Rasul steps in last year, immediately starts creating interceptions and turnovers. And what do you know, Keyshawn? And it's the same way with, like, Preston Smith and Rasul. Like, even when those guys aren't, like, dominating in coverage or in terms of Preston getting to the quarterback, they create turnovers. They make big plays that, you know, excite the crowd or, or just get the team in a different momentum set. Of it's just like this different type of player who they change the game in a, in a way that it transcends the stat sheet. It's just stuff that you can't really put on a piece of paper. But those guys do it well, and I think Nixon kind of came into the game like you said and did some things that you can't really measure. But he also put up some some nice statistical uh, a pretty good performance I'd say as well. So a lot of good from him, and it's really really nice to see that we have some depth there that. I know you and I both, Griff, and a lot of Packers fans were very concerned about the the depth after the first three. We know the first three are elite, all-pro caliber cornerbacks, which is great. But after that, like we said, if Jair or Stokes or even Rasul goes down, what's going to happen? Well, we just saw and have evidence to show, and now momentum moving forward, that Keyshawn Nixon can come in and play and play well, which is a great thing. Yeah, he he really did play well. He definitely impressed me because I really didn't have any expectations for what to expect from him. It went a lot better than the Isaac Yidem experience last season against the Bears Week Six. If anyone remembers that, that was a short-lived memory. But remember I thought I another said, thing. Griff, do you remember when I said on a this was last year? I said we'll never say his name again, and you just said it. I'm shocked. <laughs> I broke the streak. Um, <laughs> but another thing I thought Nixon did really well was tackling. He, he, you can tell he's a special teamer at yeah, heart, bro, because he can that's tackle. A great point. Like, that's a great point. It's hard point. to find corners who can tackle really well. Even Jair, who's a pretty good tackler, it's like the best cornerbacks, the best tacklers at cornerback go for the legs. They just throw their body at the legs. Um, but Keyshawn really wraps up nicely. So does Rasul Douglas. Uh, Rasul Douglas had eight tackles. Keyshawn had six, second and third on the team, respectively. Um, that's what you look for at in, in, in like bench players at the cornerback position, especially guys who can come in and you're not expecting them to lock up receivers, especially in pass passing downs when you're playing Tom Brady, who's losing in the in the second half. Like I'm not expecting Keyshawn to come in and have an Eric Stokes type of performance. I say that because Eric Stokes was targeted one time, gave up one catch, six yards. He was outstanding. He was basically not even looked at by Tom Brady, that whole side. When is that? When has Tom Brady ever done that to any cornerback? I don't know. Maybe Jair once or twice. Yeah, but Jair was – but even Jair, when he would face Mike Evans in some of those games that we've, we've played with Tampa Bay, uh, Jair usually gets opportunities to make plays because they'll still target Mike Evans regardless of who's there. And Jair had a lot of success against Mike Evans in those matchups, but we didn't really get the chance to see what he would do. But you gotta t- you gotta pick somebody, right? You gotta target somebody. I don't know what their plan would have been if it was a full game of Jair and and Stokes with Rasul in the slot. But uh, we got a chance to see what they would look to do, and they tried to pick on Keyshawn, but he didn't always uh, falter like I'm sure many Bucks fans would hope. He played quite well, and then they didn't even bother with Eric Stokes because. He was pretty gluey the whole night, and uh, it was exciting to see him come out and uh, put on a performance like that after maybe a rough week one against the Vikings and a rebound week two, but still not exactly where you want him to be. I think this game against Tampa Bay was a great momentum builder for him moving forward. Gives you a lot of confidence, definitely. 
Brady kind of went with the uh, your favorite anecdote to bring up, the Chandon Sullivan, Kevin King theory from the NFC Championship game, where when you've got a weak link, you kind of, against a quarterback like Brady especially, you're just going to kind of pick up the pink link, uh, pick at the weak link, and that's kind of what he did with Nixon. So, but yeah, Eric Stokes, not targeted. I, that, that one target, I want to say, came on the opening drive as well. So, uh, yeah, he played really, really well. I'm excited about this this secondary group, man. They're really good. Adrian Amos was looking really good too. Darnell was in position on a lot of throws. Even on the the final two pointer, he was, was in just going to say, Griff. He looked like he was going to be making a big time play there if it wasn't for Devondre getting there first. And let's talk about that play. So we get that whole drive was a little, you know, we ha- we we let it seemed like we really let them get past the fifty, and then we started to tighten up once it got there. But they still, dude, they hit the they hit the check down to Fat Lenny like eight times in a row. Like yeah. we just refused to cover the flat for whatever reason. That was and really it's annoying. Fine. I, the one thing that sucked was that they kept getting out of bounds. I was hoping they'd at least try to make sure that they stayed. Yeah, in right. Bounds. The one really a lot really of miscommunication great play. on that drive. I believe. Yes. Def- oh, there was some. I think Quay had a couple plays where he was supposed to be. In. Quay blitzed when he was definitely not supposed to blitz. On yeah, one of those plays it, on the final yeah, drive. Yeah, and then that, I think that was one where Lenny was wide open, but. Whatever, yeah. right? I mean, he'll learn from it, whatever. It didn't cost us. And like we talked about earlier with Rasul, the one play that was really important on that drive, I thought, was when he... Uh, I forget who the receiver was, but he made this tackle that was on the sideline, and you could tell the receiver oh, was trying yes, trying very hard to, yes. to get out of bounds. He flattened him right in bounds on, the, like on the sideline. And, like, he wrapped himself around him to, yep. like... The angle from what he was running at would have tackled him out of bounds, but Rasul made sure to like wrap himself so that he tackled him in bounds, and it was he a almost, great tackle too. Yes, he it almost was like Gage, that was. he almost bear hugged him and like just like fell downward on top of him and like made sure that it. You said it was Russell Gage, and he locked him down and made sure he didn't get out of bounds. That was a crucial play because then the Buccaneers kind of had to hurry up and get something off. And uh, that was the beginning of a lot of discombobulation that the Buccaneers had to basically endure that whole drive from whatever was going on. But the looked like two delay of games, only one was called. Just a lot of chaos on that drive for them, uh, for whatever reason. But uh, they ended up getting that touchdown after the... And, and you know what I will say, like we watch a lot of Packers games and, and Aaron Rodgers and we see... That he always gets that extra little second, and I'm not—I don't know how true this is for all of these other teams, but we know how much it happens for the Packers, where he will at times, probably once or twice a game, it, it gets to zero, and they get that extra beat, and they snap it, and there's no penalty, and I'm okay with that. But that was a little long for me on that zero. That was a little <laughs> yeah, long. Like usually, usually you get the zero, and I will give you that point two five seconds, right? But that well, what was, they say is that. They try to give you the because the play clock doesn't show what's in between zero and one second. Yes, all the milliseconds they count down, so they want to give you that. Right? I know. I believe me. I get that, but to me, it was too long. Like you get the zero, you look up, it's at zero. Like they should <laughs> they, once that thing because they snapped it, and it, to me, they should have blown that dead because the snap was probably a full second after it hit zero. To me, I don't know. if It you was agree. A, it was quite long. Yeah. So that's to me that was that's. And then I can't believe they did it again on the two pointer. That, that exactly, and that was off like of, what? And that was off of a stoppage on the touchdown too. Like that's just—it's remarkable how that would happen. But uh, whatever, you know, to our benefit, they ended up having to go from the seven. I think that kind of made up for the missed one that they had there, having to go for two from the seven certainly. Um, and of course, 
We don't know exactly what went down with Aaron Rodgers on the sideline and what they showed on the Jumbotron, whether it was something he just saw in the formation that they might have showed on the Jumbotron or if they showed something on the sideline with a coach or uh, a tablet with something, you know what I mean? Rodgers had something, though, and it clearly was correct and it worked because the defense was prepared. Rodgers relayed this information to LaFleur, who told probably Joe Barry, who then made the play call, who told Devondre, and who made, and Devondre is obviously the signal caller in terms of relaying it to the guys wearing the green dot on the helmet, and who makes the play? Devondre Campbell was right in position, as was, like we mentioned, Darnell Savage, who seemed to have a bit of a rebound game. I think both those safeties did. Um, but again, Devondre was there. He made the play before it even became an issue. Batting that ball away, all pro type of play in the biggest moment. He had a fantastic game, and uh, that's that's exactly what you're looking for. And that's why this defense is the victor in this game. And, and it's going to be a big propeller into what we will become moving forward as a, a top defensive unit across the league. I saw someone on Reddit who was at the game. This is from Reddit, so take it with a grain of salt. But they said that on the Jumbotron, they showed Brady's tablet, which was looking at, I guess, the just a straight-up like play diagram of what the two-pointer was going to be. I don't know how much that makes sense because I don't know if you really like pull up your plays like that on the tablets. I don't know. It's, a, it's, a, it's from Reddit, so who knows? But, I mean, I feel like that's one of the only feasible explanations for what Aaron saw because everyone's being so secretive about it. They asked Matt about it at his press conference on Monday, and uh, he would not give any information. He just kept saying that's a question for Aaron. Aaron's not going to give any information. Maybe no. he will on McAfee. I highly doubt he's going to get specific on what he saw. But, I mean, again, like, I don't know what what else could it be. I think the only thing that I was thinking was that he might have seen an alignment that he recognized that maybe it was a play that the Packers run or or a play that they studied. I, I You know, something with the movement they made where the receiver went behind the tight end was talked about, and Rodgers may have alerted that to the to the head coach who... But that seems like a quick... Uh, it must have been something before the play. I don't know what it was, but I don't know how it happened. Maybe it was something like that, where the play, specifically, Rodgers looked at the alignment, told Coach, this is the one that I mentioned to you because maybe he said it earlier. It's all dependent on when all this happened. It's still a very interesting, fascinating part of... of you know That's another off-the-field aspect of what wins you football games. That Aaron, Whatever Aaron did, was it was important to what we were able to do on that two-point conversion. And it looks like, you know, who knows what would have happened, but it's it's important. It's all that. It's every little advantage you can get, you take it, and they did that within the league rules. To me, that is a, you know, that's at the Buccaneers' fault. I'm excited to officially say that we have now beaten the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we are only going up from here. It was, and it's because of the defense, too. This is everything we've dreamed about all offseason, man. This is the defense that we wanted to see. The Buccaneers, they opened with a 10-play drive. They closed with a 13-play drive. Everything in between was complete garbage. Couldn't even, it, it was, they were hard-pressed to get a first down. Um, of course, they open with a 10-play drive, though, because it kind of goes back to what I talked about last week, where it's like, feels like this pr- problem goes back to last year as well, where we always kind of struggle on the opening drive, it feels like, don't we? And the first play of the game is a deep shot to Brashad Perriman. Um, Very weird, but I don't know. Maybe that'll change as the season goes on. They'll just be better, more prepared to open the game. But it doesn't even matter because they scored three points off of that, didn't score a point until, what, like 30 seconds left in the entire game. So, it or no, they did score a field goal. But, you know, 
the fact of the matter is they didn't score a lot of points, so it ultimately didn't end up mattering that much. No, it didn't, Griffin. Now, uh, moving forward, you, you look at the, the performance we had on defense, which was one that is going to, like I said, it's going to put us in that conversation. I think the defense itself knows, but across the league, I think we are now widely recognized as a top defense. Now, the offense showed enough to me that it proves we can play really well, even against a good um, Buccaneers, really, really good Buccaneers defense, even if it was only for a short time, that first quarter, first half. But um, that's enough for me. We showed we can do it, and that's all that matters. It's about showing these flashes. In week three, it's just all about showing that you can do it. And, And we did that on both sides of the ball. We did that on special teams. Now we go into week four looking to get a big win to put us at three and one and then we start adding these wins to what we're now looking to do and and putting us in a position where we take that NFC North lead from these other two teams that also are two and one and we just continue to ascend in the NFC and separate ourselves from these other teams and and then we kind of get back to where we were last year where we just get in a position to make the playoffs hopefully have a couple home games at least one right And, and then we do what we can to win and we're putting ourselves in a position to have success, and, and I'm excited about the way this team's going right now. We knew the defense was going to have to kind of carry us, especially early on, right? We knew there was going to be growing pains with the offense, um, and they've, they've certainly done that. We just beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers off of that effort by the defense, so not much to complain about, nothing to complain about on the defensive side. Hopefully Jair Alexander is okay, because as much as I love Keyshawn Nixon, I'd much rather have Ja Money out there, because he is quite good, isn't he? Um, yeah, anything else you want to touch on here, Bron, or do you think we can wrap it up? No, Griff, I think we pretty much covered it, but uh, what a win. That's a big win. To, to get a win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if you told me that we would be 2-1 and one coming out of this tough three-game stretch of Minnesota, Chicago, and Tampa Bay, I would be pretty pleased. And I, I think now that we're at, in that spot and you look at the schedule moving forward, we do have the Patriots without their starting quarterback. Then we have the Giants in London, which I think should be a win after they just lost to the Cowboys. You have then the Jets, who are the Jets. And then you have the Commanders, who are the Commanders. And then you have <laughs> and then you have the Buffalo Bills. So we could be looking at 6-1 and one heading into that game, which will be a fantastic, exciting game. Um, so to me, I'm excited. I'm ready. And I think this is... Uh, moving forward, we should all be really excited. It's weird how much this season is shaping up like last season, early on at least. Like, we open with a division, ri- or no, we open up on the road, lose in disappointing fashion. Week two, we bounce back in a primetime game at home against an NFC, Dor- NFC North rival. Week three, we go on the road and play an NFC powerhouse. Week four, we're back home against an AFC team with a great coach and a great defense. And a bad quarterback. How weird. Hmm. Week four last year we played the Steelers. I don't know if you remember. So kind of weird, uh, kind of weird thing going on with these schedule makers. I'm on to you. The trend kind of stops with week five when we go to London because I don't think we went to London in 2021. 
But um, yeah, yeah, okay, so that's going to do it. Yeah, that's going to do it. So thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back later this week with a preview podcast for the New England Patriots, who will be without Mac Jones. So stay tuned for that. We did a preview podcast for the Buccaneers game. That's why we didn't talk about it on the last podcast. Um, if you did listen to that, let us know what you thought of it. Let us know what you think of the, uh, the layout there, the two podcasts a week. I think we're going to start doing that. So let us know if you like that. If you hate it, let us know too. We always like feedback. DM us on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, share the podcast with your friends and family. Subscribe on all platforms. Rate it five stars. Yada, yada, yada. And that's everything. Okay. <laughs> a little tired there, Griff, huh? <laughs> a little bit. I've said this a lot of times in my day. Four yeah. years we've been doing this. Well, three wow. years, but this is our fourth season. So yeah. our anniversary was last week. Forgot to mention it. You didn't even buy me flowers. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's been fun. Okay, so we'll be back uh, later this week, like I said. And what a great win. I'm very, I feel very good about this one. What I a really win. Do. That's an NFC powerhouse we just beat. Yep. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. I, my least favorite NFL player. I can my least favorite say. human. <laughs> okay. That's going to do it. Go Pack Go. Thanks for listening, everybody. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.